Hi there. I'm Mike Gugino. And I'm Maggie Sirota. And this is Three Things. Yay. And today Woo. we are joined by Mr. Jason Wosley from TV's Ghost Adventures. That would be me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. He is a good guy, a friend, a work comrade, whatever you want to, what do you want to follow? A fellow right. ghost adventurer. Yes, a fellow yes. ghost adventurer. Yes. A, a comrade ghost adventurer in arms. <laughs> but uh, he was nice enough to come on the show today. He is also from South Jersey. Oh, yeah. I heard that accent. <laughs> oh, yeah. South Jersey represent. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the biggest thing about living in Vegas is I miss Wawa. <laughs> oh, my God. A meatball shorty. Right? If they just open way. a Wawa up here, it would be perfect. I mean, I guess my feeling about Wawa is like, do you really know it's fall until the pumpkin pie tasty cake comes out? Right. Oh, yeah. Oh. And even tasty cakes, you can't get tasty cakes out here. Yeah. Um, and I remember where I lived, I was right down from like an Edmonds outlet. And oh, it's just so much, so oh. much good food missing from not being in Jersey anymore. They should build a um, casino. Oh, like a Wawa casino. Wawa casino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should build a casino yes. in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> right? the philadelphia we, just, we need another one we need another yeah. one but like like you um you know like you you know when you hit jackpot then like a whole bunch of like just tasty cakes come out instead of right <laughs> you're just buried like in tasty cakes coupons for shorties <laughs> they do the eagles cheer every time somebody wins money yeah. right <laughs> that'd be perfect be my uh -oh. go-to casino <laughs> <laughs> So, Jay, why don't you tell us what you do on Ghost Adventures? Tell us. Uh, yeah. So, Ghost Adventures, we've been, uh, we're on Discovery Plus now. Uh, we were on Travel Channel, but recently, uh, since Discovery launched their own streaming service, we've gone exclusively there. And uh, we've been one of the top trending shows on the, the streaming service, which is pretty exciting. Number uh, one, baby. Yeah. So our show, uh, basically it's the four of us. Uh, we travel around and go to uh, a whole bunch of different haunted locations or supposedly haunted locations. And we uh, do a full on investigation. The first half of the show, we tend to focus more on the interviews and kind of like hearing the stories and the history of well, what's been going on there. And that's where uh, lovely Mike is with us recording the sound and, and, uh, uh, we also tend to, we're always investigating too, we're always like open to whatever happens because that's what mm -hmm. the paranormal, you know, it's no guarantee when it's going to happen. So sometimes stuff happens during the interviews mm -hmm. uh, and it's great having Mike there is kind of like an extra set of ears. Well, so many times we turn to Mike, be like, did you just hear that? <laughs> like, we just thought we heard someone yell or scream or something or a voice. And, you know, so it's nice to have Mike there for that. And then the mm -hmm. second half of the show, uh, it's just the four of us uh, spend the entire night by ourselves at uh, basically we call it locked in mm -hmm. uh, where we shut all the lights off and we go full dark. Uh, we use night vision cameras and a whole bunch of different technology to try to document uh, paranormal activity. It's, it's true. I'm there for all of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, yeah. Mike, when, when they get to the lock in, is that when you get, get put into your puppy crate? Yeah. Usually, yeah. Uh, crate usually, trained. <laughs> <laughs> usually I just sleep out in a van once they're in there. Right. But sometimes, I don't know, once in a while, they 
they they have me do something have you ever had to play security like because i know sometimes like people try to like once they know we're in town or something like they'll try to show up and mm -hmm. you know if they know we're filming that night like do you ever have i remember like i don't know if you were there if it was before you but i remember one time we were filming at a house and there was like a big cornfield and I, th I think it was like Griff or maybe or somebody like was like, oh, like we would put flashlights and her people like crawling through the cornfield, like trying to get up to the house or something to like sneak up. Oh, I don't that think that was me. No. Terrifying. Just people coming through the cornfield. All right. Like that my alone is a horror movie. Yeah. My favorite was the first time you guys were in Globe, Arizona. Uh, we were like outside. You guys were in this old jail and it's a tiny town and it's dead quiet outside and then suddenly these high school like kids in a pickup truck roll by blasting ghostbusters it's like yeah i remember that's awesome so we're losing it and then i heard all you guys laughing over the walkies right <laughs> yeah i will say we have some pretty creative amazing fans <laughs> the fans are good though uh mm -hmm. for the most part they can be a little intense. They can be a little bit wacky, but they're all like yeah. very, very nice. Oh, yeah, it's do like a big them, extended family. Do some of them try to get them? You like come over their house and investigate some stuff? Yeah, we do. Like I'll get messages all the time. They're like, "My house is haunted. This is haunted. Like, can you come check this out?" And you know, it's like, uh, like one, I try to not even respond to everybody because then I feel I feel bad. I was like, mm -hmm. you know, I would like to be able to respond to people, but one, there's too many, and two, yeah. like. I don't know. Like if it's like you start being like, all right, I'll come help you out your house. And it's like, all right, mm -hmm. now I got to help everybody out. And, mm -hmm. you know, oh, it's, it's just, true. I get that too. Yeah. Like yeah, on Facebook or, or that's oh, not, really? I don't go on Facebook anymore. Cause I just get a million messages right. from, yeah, it's just, it's all the time. And I feel bad. Like I wish, you know, I could help the people at the same time, but then in a weird way too, it's like, uh, like, I don't know. I don't want to get caught up in any, if there's anything like really intense going on, it's like, yeah. I don't even want to touch that. Like, Mm -hmm. wish you luck you know if you're listening best of luck with it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and like i don't even know what i would do i'm just like yeah it sounds like you have ghosts right yeah. Some, <laughs> sometimes like, it is just that like yeah like that's what it is sorry <laughs> like sorry about your you know, like there's things you could do you could try there's different ways you can cleanse and things like that you know based upon you know what i feel like works is based on whatever your belief system is you know like focus mm -hmm. on that and you know it can help get rid of especially if it's something darker more in the negative realm you know just uh, keeping positive vibes doing things that make you happy will you know you know and well too like it's kind of like i grew up with two older brothers that always picked on me and you know i learned early on like the best way to stop them from picking on me it was to like stop caring like i kind of like <laughs> gave in and was just like oh i don't care and then they were like oh it's not fun anymore because I'm not freaking out. So I stopped fueling that fire and then they let up mm -hmm. and they stopped picking on me. So I feel it's almost the same thing with like negative energies or spirits, you know, whatever it is, if you're being affected by that, the more you feed it, the more you like focus on it, the more you, the more energy you put into that, it's actually going to fuel that and make it even worse. Where like sometimes, honestly, the best way to deal with it is to just simply ignore it, you know, which so can be difficult like if stuff's flying around and, you know, but <laughs> the more sometimes you could just ignore it and not give it that attention, it'll hopefully eventually go away. So this is in South Jersey. You grew up with you and your your brothers. Uh, oh yeah. You. Oh yeah. <laughs> Wait, what town yeah. was it again? It's. Uh, I lived. I guess my mailing address was Clementon. Ah. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, I was right down the street from Clementon Park. Oh, I remember. The, I remember oh, yeah. that park. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, uh, which was Very like, dirty. I think it was one of the oldest <laughs> amusement Filthy. parks in America, I think. Is it? At least that's what, at least that's what they claimed. I mean, I would believe that having been there. <laughs> right. And I remember the roller coaster. It was like supposedly one of the oldest wooden roller coasters. And it flew off the track one year. I remember that. <laughs> oh, my God. There's like always something going on there. Yeah, I remember like there. I don't remember the name of the ride, but I remember my mom making a big to do out of a girl. Like it was one. there's a little like cart full of people and it just kind of like revolves, you know, All like right. it's. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm making a circle motion. <laughs> the mic is not picking around, up the circle. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I guess when it was at the top, a girl didn't strap herself in or didn't sit up, in the, but then she like flipped right out of the, oh, just went airboard out of it. And I remember right. that was like, I don't think I was like allowed to ride a, like any ride until I was like 18 at that point. <laughs> right. Which is kind of funny because now thinking about it, like that would actually be a perfect place to investigate because yeah. I feel like there's been <laughs> so many deaths there. <laughs> Let's yeah, do Clementon Park. Right, I would love to do that. That'd be awesome. You, you start we should off do like a whole Park. hometown series. Oh yeah, that'd yeah. be great. You hit Clementon Park. You go up to Echo. See the Echo yeah. Ghost. Yeah, we could uh, do the Echo Ghost. Do some yeah. Jersey Devil hunting. Uh, I'm trying to think. There used to be an old abandoned mental hospital near where I lived. Because I think like Byberry? I always told people, or was, was that the like, one in Jersey? Uh, it was in Jersey, not Byberry. I've been there too, but there was one in Blackwood, uh, New Jersey uh there's i think it's still there like there's an operating like still functioning one but there was like the old building that was abandoned and i remember always going to that when i was younger which don't do if you're listening <laughs> don't go sneaking <laughs> yeah. into uh buildings that you're not supposed to without permission yes yeah, we are professionals do, do yes. not yeah <laughs> parents yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah I, you know kind of i think statue of limitations is over but uh yeah we used to do that all the time and <laughs> you know it was a lot of fun and you know urban exploring i think they call it now and it kind of became a, a cool thing yeah. to do i guess do some parkour right yeah. and i think <laughs> oh. we played paint i think we played paintball in there once something like that. that's awesome wait i you know what i i realize i've never asked you this in all the time we work together what's your do you have like a first experience like uh kind of i mean that's kind of personal mike <laughs> <laughs> i purposely phrased it that way uh assuming a ghost experience i mean i have a first experience yes. of lots of things but uh yeah i think i don't know it's i've always think that it's hard to narrow down just one i mean i feel like I remember growing up, like my mom would always talk about like the house, you know, and spirits, like she was open to it. Um, and I remember probably one of the craziest things, I, well, to back up before I get to the craziest moment, uh, I remember being like pretty young, like early teens. And I remember like one of my first like girlfriends and we would like go out into the woods because there was just so much woods in South Jersey to like go play and now it's I think last time I went there it's all disappearing sadly but we used to just go out there and I remember we were like you know not like we weren't like going crazy but like you know like looking into like witchcraft and different beliefs and myths and you know we were just like open to learning all kinds of different things never like truly believed one thing or another but like was just open to learning and wanted to learn all about all this stuff and we would go out in the woods and like read these books and i remember one night being chased by like some kind of creature in the woods whoa I remember cool. like you know like it was kind of like 
it was kind of like that like magic hour the sun was going down so we're like oh we better head home and and i remember just hearing like this like panting and growling kind of like noise and then like rustling and look back and just it was like bigger than a dog so it couldn't have just been like a dog or a wolf or something like that you know but it was just like this big thing and i swear like it would like kind of like you know when you'd see it run it would like go up on its hind legs and then kind of like pounce down and you know but it was like kind of dark and that you know and it's that weird time of day where like your eyes aren't adjusted yet either so it's kind of like the worst time to be able to see anything and i just remember getting out of there mm-hmm. um and then i played a lot of ouija board when i was a kid growing nice. up nice mm. yeah and i think that was probably one of the most terrifying experiences i ever had probably still even to this date uh i mean even with all the ghost adventures which is still i've had many terrifying mm-hmm. experiences but this one uh, i remember i was playing with a band and we just finished band practice and we were like all right let's do the ouija board tonight you know like we're but we're gonna go all out we're gonna light incense we're gonna light candles we're gonna put out a dish of water we're gonna have a dagger we're gonna like a dagger yeah like we just wanted to be like any ritualistic Mm -hmm. symbol symbolic kind of thing we could think of just to kind of set the scene okay like we're going all out tonight so like we did all this and I remember my dad uh, went to work in Thailand. When he came back, he brought like this decorative dagger. So I was like, oh, that seems part of ritualistic things. That seems so ghosty. Let's, let's get this. Yeah, so let's put that in there. And then we're doing the Ouija board. And then it started saying, we were talking to this little boy, supposedly, and it uh, kept saying its name was Z. Oh, uh, like yeah. like Zozo or whatever? Zozo? Yeah, which at the time, I had no idea what this meant, but it just kept saying its name was Z. And I was like, okay, like, cool. It's a little boy. And then I noticed the incense smoke would kind of blow over and it would go down to the dagger. And I picked oh. up the dagger and I moved it to the other side of the Ouija board. And then the incense would change and go to the dagger again. And I was like, that's weird. And I was like, hey, guys, check this out. And I moved the dagger again, and the incense would change and go to the dagger. And everyone was like, what? That's weird. And we kept doing it. And everywhere we would put the dagger, the incense smoke would change its direction and go straight down to the dagger. That's really cool. Yeah, it was kind of like, all right, this is weird. So then I asked, I was like, hey, are you attracted to the dagger? And it said yes. And then I asked the most stupid question I've ever asked. And I said, can you come through the dagger into us? And it said yes. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> so, that's horrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we all kind of stop for a minute. We're taking a minute. We're like, oh shit! Like, what are we gonna do? Like, we're like, all right. Well, this is what we wanted. We like this was the plan. We wanted to go all out tonight. Like, we want to experience this. Like, we want to get crazy. So we're like, all right. How old were you? Uh, I was eighteen, I think. Like, okay. Just eighteen. It was like it was like the summer. Barely right legal. You were barely <laughs> legal. <laughs> this is barely legal Ouija board sessions. <laughs> And uh, so we were all like, all right, well, what are we going to do? And how do you want to do this? So me and the other guitarist, we decided, we're like, all right, we're both going to hold the dagger because it was like in a sheath. So it was protected. Mm-hmm. We're like, we'll both hold it and just see what happens. You know, it's probably nothing like what could happen possibly, you know. So we both were like, we lay down, we're both holding it. And we're like, all right, you can come through the dagger into us. And I swear, <laughs> I got like this weird, overwhelming, instant, like feeling like rushed through my body, like like tingling but like Mm -hmm. sadness and it wasn't just in my head it was like sadness in my feet in my legs like just Mm -hmm. throughout my body just pure sadness which was really weird my buddy next to me is also holding the dagger he ends up jumping up 
and gets on top of me and he's trying to pull the dagger out of the sheath mm. and we're like fighting with each other and he, he has to like press a button to open it and he actually breaks it pulls the dagger out of the sheath and lunges it towards my throat wow. and you got to remember i'm on my back he's up on top of me so he has gravity force everything i'm like pushing upwards like literally trying to keep the dagger from being like shoved into my throat by this point it's past my, <laughs> oh my chin God. like it's below my chin like probably like less than an inch from my throat and he's pushing as hard as he can to like drive this dagger into my throat and i'm holding him back what are the other bandmates doing I mean, this honestly, like, it sounds longer, but it was probably like five right. seconds. It gotcha. was like, it was, you know, like, I don't know exactly, but it was quick, but it felt like mm -hmm. forever. And all of a sudden, he just stops. He goes totally like limp, like, starts crying, full tears, like, mm -hmm. full, you know, like, messy crying, like, snot, like, full <laughs> on, like, mm -hmm. have no, but he has no idea what's happening or what's going on. And just we're an all just like, cry. Yeah, we're just like, what the, like, fuck, like, what is going on? And we're like, all right, we're done. Like, that's enough of that. And uh, so that was pretty terrifying. And then it kind of got weird. After that, about a week later, I remember the guitarist came to me and he was like bugging out. And he's like, yeah, I think there's something that's like following me around. And like, he was never quite right after that experience. And wow. unfortunately, I don't even know what like officially ended up happening with him. And hope he's all right wherever he is. But uh. So that wow. was kind of crazy. And then to top off the story, fast forward many, 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 many years later, we're doing a show in Oklahoma. And we learn about this demon that comes through the Ouija board called yeah. Zozo, mm -hmm. whose name begins with a Z, which back in the day, I was like, oh, maybe that's what it is. And I remember doing the Ouija board during that episode. And I asked, like have we talked before? And it said, yes. Whoa. And I was like, Ooh. and then, and I'm doing the board with this other guy who's like, knows nothing about me. And I haven't really told, like, I've told this story a couple times now, but by this, by at that point, I've never told the story. Mm -hmm. So like, no one knows this about me. And I'm like, what did you try to do to me? You know, years ago. And it said, spelled out kill. And it was just like, oh, okay, all right. So this is what it was. It was the Zozo. <laughs> oh, I remember <laughs> that because that was the episode I was sitting at Nerve Center. And that was when that came through. You didn't even tell me what the word was at the time. Oh, you just right. were like, I'm done. Yeah. You yeah, were like, I'm like, done right, with this like, right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it freaked me out. So that was that was pretty crazy. And kind of learned that, uh, you know, way back, you know, back when I was 18. That's what, what it was. Wow. It's crazy. So yeah, if you ever uh, on the Ouija board, don't, you know, just if uh, anyone don't with Ouija. the name Z comes up, just get out of it. Yeah. Ouija like, don't, responsibly. Don't, don't invite it into your body through it. Which through then a another funny story. I <laughs> just thought another funny story. Oh, I hell in, yeah. I was in Nashville, randomly at a Waffle House. Uh, Come on, I'm randomly. sitting at the Waffle House. Randomly. You always randomly find yourself at a Waffle House at like two in the morning in Tennessee. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm by myself. And I'm just eating real quick. I think like I had an office that was not too far from there. So I just wanted to eat real quick. And there was like these two girls like sitting at like the bar top, like a few stools down. And like I realized like they're, I hear them talking about like a Ouija board. And I'm like, oh, like kind of piques my interest. They don't know who I am. They don't know the show. Like I wasn't picking up that vibe or anything. And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, like that was crazy last night with our, with the Ouija board, like blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, we should do it tonight. See if that same, you know, Zozo person comes Whoa. through again. Whoa. And I'm just like, 
excuse me. <laughs> I'm like, hold on. I'm like, what did you just say? And they're like, yeah, we just like, we were playing the Ouija board last night and we were talking this crazy thing. His name was Zozo. And I was like, stop. I was like, don't do it. And they were like, probably looking at me like I'm this crazy dude. And I was like, don't do it. Stop. Don't talk to him. <laughs> oh, that's, that's incredible. It's so yeah. weird how like shit like that happens. Yeah. Uh, I've noticed well, it more and more being on the show for like a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there is, you know, there's, there's a collective unconsciousness, you know, I think there is something that connects all of us, you know, on a, you know, quantum level, if, if anything. So it kind of makes sense that we have all these shared experiences and similar experiences because it's all tied together somehow. Well, as Carl Sagan says, we are the universe experiencing itself. So exactly. Nerd. No such thing as death. Life is only a dream, and we are the imagination of ourselves. <laughs> so what does Zoso mean? Isn't that is that like a Led Zeppelin album or? Uh, that was Zoso, right? Wasn't it? Or oh, okay. it, yeah. That well, was, I, it's kind of based it on. Ties. It's kind of based on something he read through Aleister Crowley. Oh, okay. There. We which go. I think it's like I don't know if Jimmy Page actually tried to summon demons or whatever, but. Uh, it could be just like that, but spelled different or something. But it was just like they all took these sort of like symbols as their identity. Yeah. And I don't know if it really has a lot of meaning at, at this point. Which, I mean, he lived in Aleister Crowley's house. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure he must have picked up on some energy or I'm sure he's had experiences, which I heard he doesn't like talk about any of that side of it anymore. Like he's kind of, I guess, gone... I don't know if he's religious now or what, but like I've heard he doesn't like talk about like the old mystical ways. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I mean, a lot. I mean, Black Sabbath was also like famously very uh, like into that stuff, and mm. I think and eventually ended up kind of renouncing it right. at some point. But they were also very like would would stay in ha- houses that they knew were haunted, yeah. and like do rituals and i know geezer butler talks about it a lot All but right. but that was like a I mean, big it, thing it, back in the day yeah i think it wears on you like you know it's 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 not something you know even whatever you believe whatever you're into like just dealing with that much intense negative energy so much all the time, like it's going to wear on you. So I could easily see how someone that dove into it really deep after a while is like, I don't even want to talk about that. Or who knows some crazy shit could have happened. That's traumatized them that he doesn't even want to talk about or, you know, or just doesn't want to feed it anymore. You just want to keep positive. But also drugs too. They were also very heavily into drugs. And I think that tends to, that tends to wear you out after a while. Oh yeah. You can only do sure. so much heroin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jeez, man. Yeah, it's definitely gonna wear him out. <laughs> There's a part in the dirt um where Nikki Six claims that like when he and Lita Ford were dating in the early eighties, that they were like just like hanging out in his living room and he was really into Satanism at the time. Um and I think he was doing something, some chant, some ritual. I don't it's not crystal clear in my mind what he was doing, but mm. These claims that like a bunch of knives just like shot into the ceiling. All right. Like, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I you mean, know, also drugs, but you know. Right. And then he yeah. did cocaine off of all of them. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sure who knows. That's the problem when like you start getting drugs involved. It's like, all right, the credibility goes away. So it's kind yeah. of always hard to like judge if it's really legit or not but like i wouldn't put it past that i mean when you i mean i've done rituals you know not for any belief purposes but just for i mean 
it sounds kind of weird, but scientific purposes, mm-hmm. just to be like, all right, let's just try this and see what happens and document what happens when we perform this ancient summoning ritual, just to see mm-hmm. if, you know, if there's any credibility to it. And or like when you did happen. that thing, you, you did that thing that was in the uh, cauldron. Where was that? You were with the witch. Oh yeah. With Lady was Snake. That- the yeah. Ed Gein cauldron at the museum. So wait, let me <laughs> set set you up to tell this story <laughs> yeah. because it, this might sound confusing to people who haven't seen the show, but Zach uh, Baggins, our host, has a museum. And in that museum, he has a cauldron where Ed Gein, the serial killer, would like, I guess tan the hides of people to like wear them body parts to take the skin off and all that (laughs) so we were doing an episode there and for people that don't know ed guyne is is the inspiration or one of the inspirations for buffalo bill yeah oh yeah yeah. leather face and leather face yeah even psycho loosely because i think he Mm -hmm. wore his mother's skin and stuff okay yeah awesome i mean crazy stuff (laughs) right But, but we had a witch uh, on one of the episodes, it was a Halloween special named Lady Snake. And you guys did a ritual. What, what was exactly happening in that room? Because I was watching yeah. it from the control room. Right. So I remember before that, it was kind of weird leading up to that. Uh, I was having really bad dreams leading up to that shoot. And in my dreams, I was just like, I couldn't see anybody, but like literally the back, my back skin was just being peeled off. Like it was nightmarish, horrific, terrible nightmares. And I'm trying to remember, there was like a connection to Wisconsin too. Like it was in my dreams or I think I was just in Wisconsin before that. Or Is that where he's from? Yeah. And he's from Wisconsin. So we're filming and this is just me. It's not even, I don't even translate that or communicate it to the show. That's just my personal what I was going through at the moment and we're filming with lady snake and we go in into the cauldron room and she just looks at me and she's like, you need to do this ritual with me. Ooh. And I was just like, <laughs> like I'm filming, I'm behind camera shooting. And I'm just like, uh, okay. <laughs> like what? And she's like, she's like, what's been going on with you? And I was like, and I was like, Oh, I've had been having these dreams. And I was like, Oh shit, my dreams I'm being skinned. It's Ed Gein's cauldron. Like that's where he would like skin people. And and I was like, Oh, maybe like, all right, maybe there is some weird connection. And for some unknown reason, it was either him or the, or the predator. There's only two choices. (laughs) Exactly. And uh, so it was kind of like, all right, I was like, let's do it. You know, let's try it out. Why not? And, you know, we went full on and did the full ritual. And I know, I'm not sure exactly like the problem with rituals not even the problem, but like the key to rituals. It's not always like what you do or what you say or how you do it. Like, I think the bigger thing is the intention of it all. Like, what is your true intent by doing this? Um, And I don't know exactly what her intentions were. You know, it was her ritual that she was doing, but I knew my intentions. Part of it was to kind of get away these dark things that have been kind of like hovering in my life like one was like the zozo demon uh one was the whatever demon or i experienced at Goatman's bridge and the other one was whatever i experienced at the demon house when we filmed the documentary there uh so it was like kind of like those three things have been like these like dark clouds kind of that kind of like been lingering on my life which obviously the zozo goes way back to even when i was you know 18 um so my intention during that ritual was to kind of try to take those three things 
and in a sense, oh, banish three them. things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Take those. Three. Oh my you God! Guys, you guys We're, are doing a ritual every podcast. <laughs> my God, it comes full circle. <laughs> my God, right. well, this sets us up perfectly. Uh, and right. we will give you closure now, Jay. <laughs> Jay, do you have a thing yes. you'd like to share with us? Uh, yeah. So I think I don't know. I was just recently, like, I think it was this morning actually. I was reading an article. And I've been seeing more and more of this start to pop up. And I'm just kind of curious what you guys feel. And, you know, the idea of uh, like space travel, but in a commercial sense. I just read an article today that they're planning to open a space hotel. I think they'll be open to the public in 2027, where like you just fly up into space and then you live on this basically a spaceship space station for like, I don't know, however many days. And I think they said it's something like $5 million for a three days, three night stay or something like that. But it's like, I don't know, I guess my thought of it is like one, hell yeah, I would love to be able to do that. One, I don't think I could. I think to get me up there, I would literally have to be knocked out or drugged to get up there, (laughs) you know? But then I was like, just wondering like, is this like something like, like, do you think it's going to stick? Like, I can't imagine, like, especially with $5 million for like three nights, like, yeah, you'll get a couple crazy rich people that'll do it, but then that's it. And now we just have more space junk flying around. Like, yeah. I don't know. do you guys see like, this is like, you know, they always talk about like space is like, you know, the future and exploration. Like, do you think we'll actually be able to colonize it and like make it? Well, you know, in a related story, uh, Elon Musk, the, the, there's all these astronomers who are sort of pushing back uh, through NASA at Elon Musk because Elon Musk wants to do that thing where he gives Wi-Fi to the whole world. Right. But what it would do is he'd put something like, I could be wrong, but it's like a lot of satellites, like 40,000 satellites. And what that does is it, it reflects back down onto the earth, like sunlight and things like that. So it makes astronomy very, very difficult. That makes uh, sense, yeah. And Jen just clutters up the sky, so more yeah. shit will crash mm. into each other. Right. Mm. And there's that asteroid coming down that's going to come in within satellite yeah. space thing in like 2029, they're saying. It's not Uma Guma or whatever that rock was called. With <laughs> the, or... the Pink Floyd album's coming, yeah. flying through. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming back. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, I think we're kind of little getting a little ahead of ourselves because it's like SpaceX can't even like land a rocket without it blowing up. Right. So it's like, I, you got to like land the rocket before you can start talking about the hotel. I feel like. exactly. And I think too, like with that, like part of me is like, yeah, absolutely. Like I could see like as a species, we need to be able to evolve and probably move mm-hmm. off this planet in one day. But at the same time, there's so many problems and so many things that are wrong and issues mm-hmm. that are going on on our planet now, like with people and, you know, going hungry and being abused yeah. and things like that, where it's like, maybe we should focus on that and try to get our planet to a better place. Mm -hmm. And then we can start worrying about moving off, you know, like the really cynical side of me just kind of sees it as like, Oh, here's how rich people are going to escape the climate crisis. Well, (laughs) (laughs) well, like the rest of us just kind of, you know, cook like that Matt Damon movie. Was that Matt Damon movie? Uh, The Martian or no, no, no. The one where he, he, there's like a private space, place for rich people and like all the poor people live on uh elysium that's what it's oh, called okay elysium. Oh, okay yeah i remember that um i mean i'm kind of torn because i love space and space exploration mm-hmm. and i would probably want to do that but i'm always a little hesitant with like the whole 
the, the weird thing is like the earth arbitrarily divides itself up into like countries and companies and things like that. When space is just this big, you know, space for lack of a better word mm. that doesn't, care about that shit so it's like what are people going to go out and be like well this is america's moon this right. is you know america or like this is you know johnson and johnson's mars <laughs> right yeah and, yeah i think and, if we did do it like we need to unify you know as a planet like and, and you know and that ideally that would be great if we can you know like i said we focus more on like the problems we have at home fix that thing kind of you know yeah. join unity as a planet and then we can explore space together and i think it would be pretty amazing in that way but yeah i don't the idea of exploring new planets and start discovering them and setting them up just like we have this place set up isn't going to be good like we need to learn and you know anything we do in the future make it even better i i think it's an important part of the evolution of humanity to be able to move beyond earth like i just read that we're, we're going to run out of oxygen in a million years oh yeah which yeah. is which I don't know or a billion years, not a million. Right. Which I mean, yeah, we'll be fine, but like, hopefully, there's yeah. still people kicking around at that point. So like, one day there will be that crisis of like we literally can't breathe anymore. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's frustrating because like, uh, do you ever hear that Gil Scott Heron song, Whitey on the Moon? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's like my sister got bit by a rat in like her yeah. apartment, but Whitey's on the moon, and it's yeah, just like. Exactly. And yeah, I've, we exactly yeah. I just listened to the other day, and I think that's what inspired yeah. me. Like, oh, we need to take care of, you know, home before we start. You know, it's kind of like, oh, the house is dirty, so we're just gonna move. Yeah, no, let's clean it up. Let's clean it up. Let's fix it up a little bit. It's still good. There's just nowhere else to go right now. This is like yeah. the best place to live. Exactly. It's like, uh, you know, I don't know. You know, you know, you know, rent's gonna be <laughs> higher on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> For what? Okay, just because you need to pipe in all the things, oxygen yeah. and food, everything is like. Yeah, I mean, already a hotel stays five million dollars. So I mean, geez, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, how much I, is going to be Starbucks up there? Like, I wonder if you'd get bored after like a day or two. You're like, well, it's nice and all, like looking back down upon the earth, yeah. but right. And also, kind of still just terrifying the act of like being shot up in a rocket to get there yeah. is. <laughs> I don't know. But how many times Still have you, like, we're in hotels all the time. We're constantly on the road. And how much shit in a hotel just constantly doesn't work or goes wrong. Oh, yeah. And, and like, that, go, like, a hotel in space, when it goes wrong, it's you can't, <laughs> you die. Right. Yeah. It's like, uh, sorry. Hey, uh, I think this window's leaking. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You're going like, to get sucked out in the space soon. There's no oxygen in my room. <laughs> <laughs> I, th exactly. I think I think the film Leprechaun Four I think really split like spelled out all the the perils <laughs> right. of low life oh, in yeah. space. Is yeah. that Leprechaun in space? Yes. <laughs> yes. Wait, how does the Leprechaun get in space? Well, <laughs> we're gonna save that for another day, but <laughs> so we got Leprechauns we got like, have their ways. <laughs> we got it. We're under the two minute mark. So, um, so Jay, where can we find you? What do you got coming up? Uh, uh, we're still filming more ghost adventures. Uh, we're on discovery plus streaming service. Uh, I believe new episode comes out on Friday, March 26th. It's going to be, it's called curse of ranch Island, Ooh. which was, uh, this crazy house we did in Las Vegas, uh, which was like a whole compound of houses and 
it was just a lot of dark energy there. A lot of people living there having terrible experiences. So we kind of went to try to help them out. And uh, it was a pretty wild place. So that comes out uh, March uh, 26. It'll be streaming. And then, cool. of course, all on the socials, Jay Wosley Film on Instagram, Jay Wosley on Twitter. And uh, that's kind of the main things. I'm on Facebook if you can find me. But. All right, well, Jay, thank you. This has been a, such a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. I had a good time, guys. And uh, we'll come up with some more things to talk about in the future, I'm sure. Oh, hell yeah. Hell oh, yeah. yeah. You should definitely come back on. This is fun. Yeah. Yeah, there's many three things to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so many three things. <laughs> a rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bills, but Whitey's on the moon. Ten years from now, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the Such moon. Such a cool guy. You know, I hope he comes back. Uh, I think he will. Whitey's I'm going to see him like next week. So I'll also, force him, force him mean, to be on every episode. <laughs> I don't think the mic picked this up, obviously, but I enjoyed that little cameo from his dog, too. Oh, uh, his dog is the best. Oh, very cute, sweet. Cute guy. So, Maggie, let's get into it. What's your thing? Or wait, how about I play a little clip from it and then you can explain it. All right. Uh, it's, of course, from Unsolved Mysteries. This was season nine. Um, so probably like 1995, 1996 this aired. Um, and so, you know, just to kind of set this up. Every episode of Unsolved Mysteries, they have a like a segment that's like a supernatural. They have a segment that's usually like crime related, you know, perhaps a murder, a, dis a mis disappearance, missing woman. And then they have an ep Then there's a segment I usually just got bored during, which was like the reunion or looking for a lost love. <laughs> and those are pretty boring. I usually gravitated towards ufo segments or the crime segments and those were terrifying but today robert stack attacks a kind of paranormal not so much paranormal maybe urban legend he investigates the fact and fiction of what their aphrodisiacs work so let's uh, <laughs> i can't so wait to hear this yeah you're gonna enjoy this admit it Unless you're Mick Jagger or Madonna, you probably wished for a magic potion that could transform you into the consummate lover or turn that aloof stranger into your adoring sweetheart. <laughs> you're not alone. For the last few thousand years, from Afghanistan to Zanzibar, men and women have searched high and low for the perfect aphrodisiac. Wishful thinking? Or are the recipes for romance that deliver the goods? Modern science has a surprising answer. One of the traditions in Europe was that uh, newlywed. Oh, awesome. I love Robert Stack, man. Yeah. You've got I'm... me like, you've got me appreciating him, I think, in a new way that I really never saw him before. Yeah, I love the fact that he just kind of just keeps a straight face through this entire segment. I also kind of really enjoy the fact about like how he has to talk about sex, but use very kind of. They keep after dancing around it, like using this very yeah. kind of like rated G language. <laughs> yes. What can deliver the goods? Like, like, <laughs> oh, what, what can, what can set you on a path to a carnal sex spree? Can... <laughs> like Patton Oswalt has a bit about that, how like G rated filth is way creepier yeah. than uh, X rated filth. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very familiar with that. Uh, 
very familiar with that. <laughs> that but that he is kind of like walking that line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is NBC on what, like eight o'clock, nine o'clock. Yeah, like I mean, I don't know. I you mean, just... it's like like unsolved mysteries. That stuff, like that and MacGyver, I watch with my grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> So you kind of don't want that anyway. Like, yeah, exactly. It, it's always made for like most people in the room, except for like very young kids probably know what they're talking about. And at that point, if they just said it, it probably mm. wouldn't be that weird. Mm. But but you all know it's like weird. Everyone gets all awkward, like the good stuff, that sweet, sweet action. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, this so then we get to set up this next clip we so the gentleman also plays himself in the reenactions and there's a reenaction here in a in a segment Wait, about a, re a reenactment or yeah yeah you know i like i like that you call them reenactions it makes them sound cooler yeah reenactment thank you that was the word i was looking for i'm gonna start saying reenaction though all right well I will annoy people on on Ghost Adventures because they do reenactments on Ghost Adventures. And I'll be like, I'm going to go up to them and be like, hey, you guys doing a reenaction? And they'll be like, what the fuck are you? They'll get so mad. Like punch you in the dick. Fuck you, Mike. Yeah, they're like, you know what the hell they're called. <laughs> you respect the art of television production, Mike. <laughs> um, so in a, there's a reenactment in this episode about... Um, about aphrodisiacs and the guy they talk to like look you're gonna like lose your mind when you see that see and hear the guy but um he plays himself in the reenactment where he gets busy and he looks like the kind of guy who like he'd be a guest star in melrose place as like a a rock star you'll see what i mean you'll see what i mean uh, i'm into this already i'm just gonna play it all right i'm ready we're excited for your journey uh, or i'm going to unleash it unleash it that's how you make things sound dirty that aren't that aren't dirty. G-rated filth. Not lovesick. At least that's not at the top of their list. So Charlie, are you having trouble sleeping? Yeah, I'm only getting about. Charlie was there because his 18-hour workdays had ground him down beyond exhaustion. Rested, I, I hear you. Walk around, I can't get back to sleep. She starts to steer her questions to how are what are my activities like? Am I energetic? Do I exercise? You know, how's my love life? Uh, that was kind of an odd switch because most doctors don't take you down that path. And how are these problems affecting you sexually? <laughs> well, it's taken its toll on my relationship to the point where it's non-existent. And, um... Dr. Watson prescribed a slower pace, plus a regimen of herbs and vitamins. But would they cure Charlie's exhaustion and rev up his love life? Hmm. The hmm. transformation began during that first visit to the office. He's eating candy. I saw this little box of chocolates, and I just started nibbling away, and I'm hungry. <laughs> and so I'm just popping these things, eating them, and chewing away. Ah, oh, great chocolates. <laughs> but these were not merely great chocolates. Oh. Dr. Watson has spiced them up with a mix of South American herbs, known Ooh. for giving the libido a lift. I started <laughs> to eat these things, and I'm balling up the wrappers, and, you know, they're like, there's pocket size. I'm thinking, oh, this is great, little, little snacks for later, and I got a couple. The video shows that he's like eating the entire, it's like just him eating an entire box of little chocolate. Yeah, he just tears their, all right, so the chocolates are sitting on the reception desk in this, um, <laughs> in this doctor's office. And he starts like tearing through the little box and he's like throwing the balls, the wrapper back in. And he's also looking around all sketchy, like someone's going to catch him. 
like he's just putting him in his mouth like an like a Dickensian orphan. Yeah, like, yeah. he's just like nom, 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 nom. <laughs> like yo, this is not like I Love Lucy where they're coming yeah. down a conveyor belt, dog. You can. It's like, oh god, chocolate! I haven't seen chocolate in years. Yeah, like um, control, control yourself, my man. <laughs> I'm gonna keep going with this. My All right, please. Hi, excuse me. Oh, hi. How many of these chocolates have you eaten already? Oh, I had a whole bunch. Why? Really, a whole bunch. Um, because those are Dr. Watson's love potions. Love potions? What's that? Those are aphrodisiacs. Aphrodisiacs, really? Yeah. Charlie took some of the chocolates to share with his girlfriend. Mm hmm. He came home early. Made dinner, so put on sweet music, so and hope for the best. Like <laughs> We're not done yet. I have a little dessert. <laughs> Charlie was already halfway to paradise, <laughs> and probably could have. Ah, he was already halfway to paradise. <laughs> That's a good one. Left Doctor Watson's yeah, love drops on the mantle, but Charlie wasn't taking any chances. Oh, chocolate hearts! Not just ordinary chocolate hearts, though. These are. Um, Wait, would you still be at a dinner table with a guy who gave you chocolate hearts and you're like, ooh, chocolate hearts? And he's like, they're not ordinary chocolate <laughs> chocolate hearts. You'd be like, I'm out of here. Well, I guess at least he told you. He didn't yeah. <laughs> He didn't like skirt that ethical line of like, hey, I'm just going <laughs> to slip you a Mickey. <laughs> These have cocaine in them. <laughs> Wait, should I keep going? This is really yeah. funny. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I want you to keep going. Aphrodisiacs. Where did you get them? About half an hour later, I'm sitting there, and she's <laughs> playing with my hair. And I'm sitting there going, oh, it's working. I'm so glad you didn't have to work late tonight. <laughs> she didn't say that she felt anything different. She said, oh, I just feel, you know, normal. Well, I can tell you, she wasn't normal. She mm. was better than normal. Ooh la la. Cuddly, Whoa. huggy, you know, paying attention to me, and it progressed into a really nice, steamy evening. He's got a voice like, you know, this broad doesn't normally put out, but she was putting out, huh? <laughs> like yeah, he's got... <laughs> yeah, he's got like some, some Butterfuca vibes. <laughs> I know, I really love it. And it's he's very 90s, but like, yeah, he's got to be from like the East Coast or close yeah. to New York or something. I don't know if you ever remember those like MTV, like sex in the 90s specials, but he looks like one, he could be like one of the dog brothers, if you remember them. Oh, yes. Those were the guys who loved Bon Jovi. Yes. Yes. And they were like spraying perfume on their dicks and stuff and trying to. Oh, my God. Those guys were incredible. I still remember that very, yeah. very vividly. I would be very curious what happened with them, what they're doing now. Dog Brothers, if you're out there. Give us a shout. Me. Yeah, give us a shout. I feel like they're that's doable. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could track them down. Do you think they might be available? Yeah. <laughs> They might have some time in their schedule. Let me call up uh, Richie Sambor and see if he knows where they are. Okay, that's a good, yeah. They're like his sons. <laughs> Wait, I'm going to keep going with this. I love this guy, the way he talks. Okay, Which go was, for it. After all, we could all use one of those once in a while. The mind is the best aphrodisiac we have yet. There are really physical... Uh, the mind, what's it? That is a quote from the Big Lebowski. It's like the largest erogenous zone is the brain. When oh. Jack, when Jackie Treehorn's talking to uh, the dude. Oh, cool. So hilarious line. <laughs> Components that happen. I see it in my practice. I see men and women who really want to have great sex, but something's wrong physically, chemically. Something's just not happening. And definitely when they... They're only halfway to paradise. That's what she's saying. 
how do you get the other how do you get all the way to paradise with your mind mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what she's saying you got to use your mind mm. take the herbs which react in the body in that chemical process uh, definitely there's a change there's an improvement when people say you're taking an aphrodisiac you know you're taking an aphrodisiac isn't it all in your mind isn't it a placebo and i look at them and i say it's very possible that it is i mean there's tons of medical records that show people been given placebo medicine and have cured themselves but ah. hey who cares as long as they wait name one study dude bro <laughs> <laughs> tell me about yeah tell me what what studies are you reading <laughs> there's been lots of research done on this dude <laughs> Oh, this guy cracks me up. I love that the segment is basically just like a dude gave his girlfriend some candy and they fucked. Like yeah, that. it's incredible. <laughs> I, I'm in, I'm kind of ex, like seeing a lot of footage on the cutting room floor where he's just like, "Do you think it's all in your mind?" And he's just like, "No, but it was in her mind, if you know what I'm saying." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just I, like, "Could you say that and not a not that way?" Yeah, could you <laughs> say that in a way that doesn't make me nauseous? Thank you. Like Thanks. the producers, like just say what I say, just say the words that I say. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely been in interviews where you get somebody trying to be too funny, and the producer just is like, "I was just about, I was like, Mike, I was just about to ask that question. Like, have you had that? <laughs> have you had that happen? Were you?" It's pretty common. Mm -hmm. I remember a really funny story. I was shooting with uh, the Snyder family, as in D Snyder. Oh my God! What was this for? Uh, it was for like some NBC Christmas special. Mm -hmm. And um, basically they had these um, interior designers come to their house and remodel them in it or decorate them for Christmas. So it's in the middle of August because it's supposed to come out at Christmas. So we're all like, um, what was it? Oh, they're decorating the Christmas tree. And this interior designer keeps putting these, the, the ball ornaments on the tree. Mm -hmm. So the two kids of D Snyder who were like uh, in their twenties and were such like wise asses, <laughs> very funny guys, <laughs> but um, they go into this whole thing and they keep mentioning like the balls are so nice. Just the way they're hanging there, just like that, they're just glistening. And, the, and they're like going on and on about the balls on the tree. And the I could just see the producer, like the director of the show losing his mind being mm. like, we cannot use any of this. Stop saying balls. I remember <laughs> <laughs> something I said on set when things like when the talent wouldn't say the right thing. Which was just like, stop saying balls, stop <laughs> saying balls. <laughs> and they just kept saying balls. And it was just, oh uh, God, the whole Get your shit like, together, Snyder children. They're ornaments. They're not balls. <laughs> and, they would, and they would be so funny. They would just be like, okay, we got it. No problem. Sorry about that. And then they'd just be like, so these balls. And they'd be like, cut. <laughs> they sound like two buttheads. Like um, from Beavis and Butthead. Not like, not that I'm insulting them. I'm just like. These, they, these balls are glistening. <laughs> they, well, they they weren't really like that. They were just like your typical like heavy metal kind of punk kid, obviously like raised in that environment. And mm -hmm. I don't know. It's like their dad's really cool. Like they were pretty cool too. And it was just like we're doing this cheesy NBC show because whatever they offered us tons of money to do this. So they were just having fun with it, and it was really it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> they were like genuinely funny. Um, that, that's good. Their dad's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the Snyders. Very. They were a very lovely, cool family. Yeah, I can see that. I could totally see that. 
um, like nicer to the crew than like the directors and producers. Like they were just like crew are our people. Like D Snyder was like that right away. Oh, wow. That's all. I'm glad to hear that. You should check out his, um, his testimony, I think in front of Congress. Oh, I did recently. It was on a, an episode of that podcast. Uh, um, you're wrong about you're wrong about, which is I love that show. Love that show. It's really one of the best podcasts out there. Puts us one to shame. Yeah, yeah. They, they do real research and we just like talk. I just like read from Wikipedia and sometimes <laughs> I just like half remember something on TV and I'll just tell it to y'all as fact. So yeah. much, so much time not spent researching any of these topics. <laughs> no, no, no. So irresponsible on both our parts. Do we care? No. <laughs> but hey. <laughs> We're reckless. We're we reckless. are reckless. We're loose cannons. We're the mavericks of the podcasting world. Um, so how about we transition? See how good we are? How yeah. about we transition to my thing? Let's see your thing, Mike. I want to know what your thing is. It is um, of two books I read by the Dutch historian Rucker Bregman. It's not very funny, but I've been thinking about it a lot, especially since we're in the middle of a pandemic, Mm -hmm. since uh, apparently our government doesn't work anymore. Or care about us at all. Which is all, I don't know, it's just really frustrating. And it was nice to read a book with sort of a hopeful twinge to it that was like based in reality. Uh, His book, Humankind, he sort of is uh, reimagining what human nature is. Basically, over time, we've thought, we've sort of come up with this uh, story that everybody's like a secret Nazi. Mm -hmm. And if there wasn't the constraints of society and other people then everyone would just be like murdering each other and stealing. That's basically the conceit but, of the book, um, Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Well, he talks about Lord of the Flies a lot in this book uh, because basically he he's reading about William Goldman's life and how he won the, the Nobel Prize for this book that's supposed to have such insight on human nature. But really, it's written by a depressed drunk guy. Mm-hmm. So he went on this quest to find the... Um, a real story of Lord of the Flies and he found one where six boys were trapped on an island mm-hmm. for about a year and what happened was the exact opposite of Lord of the Flies like they became very organized they became even better friends mm-hmm. uh, when they would have arguments on the island they would just go they would send the people who were arguing to other sides of the island to cool off and they'd come back mm-hmm. and be friends again they built like a gym they like they came they back. Built a gym. I'm that, sorry. Let's go back to the gym. Yeah. Let's, uh... <laughs> they they built all this stuff on the island. It's like this really unhospitable place to mm-hmm. live. Uh, and eventually, they were found by this uh, a ship, and they're still friends with the captain. Like they're all still friends. Well, it, this happened in like the 50s or 60s. Mm-hmm. So it's like it got him wondering: like, is is this idea about like what it is to be human like bullshit? So the more he researched, he found that like not, and I don't want to say that he's saying that people are good or bad. Mm -hmm. 
uh, inherently, but he's basically saying that we're hardwired to be friendly. We're hardwired to get along and to cooperate. We're social creatures. And, yeah, we're social creatures, and that's what's made us so successful. Mm -hmm. Like how um, in prehistoric times, like pre-civilization, uh, it was hunter-gatherer society, they would have lots of friends all over the place because they'd be moving around. Mm -hmm. Everyone would be trying to find food. So people, you know, there's no cave drawings of war. Like war is an advent of civilization. Mm -hmm. Um but the book was was fascinating, uplifting. Like, and he he sort of takes down the the whole Stanford prison experiment, which you know, it's like they locked a bunch of yeah. college kids in a basement and split them up into guards and prisoners, mm -hmm. and then the guards abused the prisoners, and basically they said, "Oh, well, this just naturally happens." Right. Uh, but the problem was the guy who Zimbardo, who was the the guy running the experiment. Um, told them all what to do. Mm -hmm. Like he told the guards how to behave and how to treat them. And a lot of people didn't want to do it, but they still went along because it was like in the name of science. Right. So it's like, we're basing all these things that we're doing nowadays. Like that actually leads to like policies, like broken windows policing mm -hmm. and our, and, and just like the nonsense that we do in this country. Cause we think people are one way when really they're another. Yeah. And a lot, and in a lot of ways people act like you treat them. Yeah. So if you treat them as friendly people who want to cooperate, they're more likely to cooperate. Mm -hmm. But instead we have sort of this thing that's happening where we think everybody else is in it for themselves, even though I'm not. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to behave like I am because that's what everybody thinks is the reality. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So that's what I read over the, over the most of the pandemic. And it was, I don't know. It made me feel a little better. Like there's a way out of this. I've also just like learned some really horrifying. I've just seen some really horrifying things and learned some horrifying lessons of what people will do mm -hmm. to deny reality when reality is very inconvenient. Well, what's really interesting is it, this book gave me some kind of sympathy for people like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and not in a way that I'm not horrified by what they do. And, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not completely against what they're doing, but it's like, there's a thing, he tells a story and of course it's the most extreme example possible, but like the reason that like regular German soldiers fought in world war two, like basically for the Nazis was because they were friends with each other. Uh, so they would always foster this friendship in, in their, in their units. So most people wouldn't be like, I'm dying for Germany. They would be like, I'm dying for like Victor. He is right here. Like he is my best friend, right, my right. buddy. Yeah. So it was like, uh, it, it's, it's a, you're doing a bad thing for a good reason, I guess. Does that make sense? Uh. Like, <laughs> Like, uh, but, but it, but it, like, it goes both ways. This is why I was so fascinated by the book. Cause it's like, yeah, somebody, cause, cause basically like power corrupts people and, mm -hmm. and it makes them lose things like shame. Like the more rich and powerful you are, you stop blushing and we're the only animal that blushes. So wealthy people stop blushing or powerful people mm -hmm. stop blushing, which means they don't experience shame the same way that yeah. somebody. So if they can convince you that you're doing something good, they can get you to do a lot of things and okay. get lots of people that, to do yeah. a lot of things. So it's not necessarily like people are good or bad. People want to do something good, 
but there's lots of ways they can you can subvert people doing something good yeah i mean i was thinking back to um like when governor christie would say things like hey you know to maintain the economy some people are going to have to die and like the problem is these people are never talking about themselves when it's when they're talking about the sacrificial lambs of the stock market and you could easily see just like how somebody who doesn't believe what you believe can be convinced like by Fox News that you know there's like white genocide like they're turning that into a cause for themselves yeah I, mean, I don't know or like I don't know things like abortion you can get people in the name of like pro-life to do like horrible things because mm -hmm. they believe that they're stopping like a baby holocaust you know right right I think there's a way to fix that uh, maybe I just don't know what it is <laughs> But, but that at least gives you a way to solve that problem, you know, rather than these people are evil to horrible people and they should just be like shot into space. Like, yeah, it's good. I mean, I mean, it's just like, it's not really useful to think of these people as monsters. Circumstances created them. Right. Circumstances, you know, aligned to give this movement rise. Circumstances aligned where, you know, regular people joined something horrible and mass yeah. like what what were these all these factors and circumstances and conditions that came together to kind of incubate this like it always makes you think of like those interviews with guys who are like ex-nazi skinheads or something mm -hmm. who, who talk about being part of this group and how it made mm -hmm. them feel good and you can like see all those things in when those people talk where it's like there was a community there was like a sense of togetherness you had mm -hmm. friends who you would do things for simply because you're your friends mm -hmm. and, and it's then, almost like almost like the belief or the ideology they were advocating for didn't matter like right it, yeah like what they were looking for manifests in that way and and it but yeah. it makes you think like what if we constructed society in a way where people could find those things and they weren't in nazi skinhead groups mm -hmm. or uh you know uh rush limbaugh ditto heads or yeah you know yeah. giving people good things to like this podcast to be part of like a community. <laughs> <laughs> we uh God, i'm so looking forward to solving this with you mike <laughs> <laughs> i think you gotta start out small <laughs> gotta start out small but you know it's also good to have goals <laughs> but but you know it just it that's what made me feel better because it's like we're, here we are and we're arguing with like anti-maskers and people who just mm -hmm. like you know, are partying in the midst of this pandemic. Yeah. Which is like the only rule is like, don't fucking like cough and sneeze and breathe on people. Just yeah. stop doing that. And you can like stop the spread. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not trying to get you to wear a mask to hurt you. <laughs> right. Exactly. Or just cover your mouth when you cough or whatever. It's like, there's simple ways you can stop the spread of this virus, but people are just like, fuck you, man. Can't tell me what to do. America. It's right there in the constitution. Also, there's just, I think just like what's, like just so detrimental to us is that this notion of individualism, American individualism is so like, yeah, it's so ingrained. It's like, no, there are times when putting your, like putting the group first also helps you. <laughs> well, yeah. It, and that's the thing, like there, um, what's interesting is there, there was a discussion about like Hobbes versus Rousseau to get, mm -hmm. to get philosophical for a second. Yeah. You just <clears> that <throat> philosophy degree. And basically we created our whole country around this enlightenment idea, idea that sort of comes out of Hobbes that everybody's in it for themselves. So if you construct your system 
mm-hmm. in a way that just assumes everybody's looking out for number one, then they will be able to contribute to society and it will make your society great. Mm-hmm. And that works to an extent. But the problem is like once you get past enlightenment era problems, it starts to break down where we have like, I don't know, all this technology and the internet and like a world community, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And like Rousseau was was basically saying the opposite, where where all the problems came from civilization. Mm-hmm. Like once civilization happened, it's like we get diseases, we have wars. There's there's you know tyrants, there's you know genocide. That all comes from civilization. Um, but it's I think it's it's frustrating because we have to reimagine society as people want to be friendly to each other, you know, Mm, (laughs) like design a society that, that encourages friendship and community Mm. and you'll, and you'll get a society like that basically. And Mm. it's weird because I think it it starts with the ideas, like this whole idea of individualism in America, in America comes from just like, uh, you know, I can do what I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> like that's what I, it's turned into. You know what I mean? I can drive this SUV if I want because I bought it, so therefore I'm entitled to. Never mind, like what it's doing to, you know, like what it's the crisis it's contributing to, the extinction event. It's probably gonna, or, or like Michelle Obama with the French fries. Remember mm-hmm. that whole whole uh, debacle? Like she wanted kids to eat healthy lunches. And then mm-hmm. everybody was just like, fuck you. I'll eat French fries if I want. I'll eat French fries till I die of a heart attack. Yeah. I'm an American. And it's uh, like. <laughs> giving myself a heart disease to own the libs. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, what? I, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like, what are you proving? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. It, it's just, it gets to a point where the the division is just absurd. It doesn't make any sense anymore. Well, it's also, I, I mean, this is a very Fox News thing, but like, it's also a point where like that bad faith like spin of an like someone's just like hey the you know the the factory farming industry for you know especially with meat like it uses a lot of water it's uh not sustainable maybe you should eat less meat and then like fox news would be like, like people are telling you you can't have hamburgers anymore it's like no yeah. no one told you you can't have a hamburger anymore you said hey maybe consider the long-term effects of this and cutting down <laughs> well it's it's kind of like what i was talking about it's like these People found out they could make a shit ton of money yeah. off of telling people to do stuff and tell them, you know, convince them they're right. Yeah. Like you be their source of how they are right and you can get them to do whatever you want, which is like, just, I don't know. Like it's just stopping things from happening at this point. Like, yeah. Yeah. Things could be better, but we just have all these people who want to make money off of people. Have, yeah, who have vested interest in it not being better. Yeah, exactly. It's like I don't the, know. Like it could be long term better, but very, a lot of people have very short term interests that <laughs> conflict well, with the you know. <laughs> it could be better. Wait, like very quickly if, yeah. if you know we just like reimagined just how we do things, like yeah. just the core idea of like why we do something. Mm-hmm. Like, instead of being like, we're giving you welfare because you're like a fucking failure and you don't have a job and like mm-hmm. having that kind of attitude, you could be like, hey, man, everybody gets down on their luck sometimes. Here's some money. Don't worry about it. Or just like, hey, everyone deserves <laughs> everyone deserves a baseline, like life, you know, like standard of living. Yeah. 
regardless if you work or not. Or just that not having money means you just don't have money. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, we just put so much stock into having money being part of like who you are when really Mm -hmm. it's just like you either have it or you don't. It's no like doesn't say anything about you as a person. Right. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like un-American to be poor. Yeah. But it's it's also very American. Yeah. It's also (laughs) It's very American to be in a lot of debt to show people that you're not poor, I think is probably the... It's like everybody, it's like Americans hate the poor, but they also talk about when they were poor to make themselves seem more real. Like, that's always a big part. Oh, the hard scrabble origin story. Yeah, that's always... Those are fun. The ones that obscure the inheritances, like the the generational wealth, like the the loans bad. It's like, I had hard too. I had hard too. I didn't have multiple super silver spoons in my mouth. I just had one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I think we'll end it there before we just go off into the rails of. Well, I am really glad we just solved society. So I'm pretty excited about that. That's Um, what we've been. That's the project of the show to solve society. Did, um, does our Nobel come in the mail? Do we get like an email about it? Do we have to go pick it up? Like, how does that work? I don't know. I emailed the whatever panel and they just mm. never got back to me. Fucking jerks. Rude. Rude. <laughs> Bunch of jerks. Those Nobel... <laughs> Handing out the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> yeah. They can't even be like, we got it. You know, just like, let me know you got my application. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you slipped them a $5 bill. <laughs> well, Maggie, do you want to talk to the people about what you do? Um, let's see. I mostly tweet and go on people's podcasts. Nice. <laughs> um, you can find me at, at Maggie Sirota at Twitter. And that's about it. Oh, yeah. I also went on the 30 Years Later podcast of Ricky Camilleri and Chris Chapin to discuss the Oliver Stones uh, masterpiece, The Doors. Ooh. So check that out if you can. Just turn 30. And I also went on the Cabbages Hip Hop podcast to discuss the classic film Leprechaun 3. Oh, that was uh, really funny. <laughs> yeah, with um, anti-pop consortium rapper Beans. Nice. So you can check that out. That's what I got. How about you, Mike? What are you up to? Uh, I'm still making tons of TV out on the road with Ghost Adventures with Jay. Um you can find me on Twitter and everything else at, at Michael Gugino. Um, oh, and I was doing Dessert Person too. So watch Dessert Person on YouTube with Claire Saffitz. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I have some music coming up in a Ghost Adventures episode. What? Yeah, I'll, I'll reveal that when I'm allowed to tell you what episode it is, but uh, pretty sad. Okay, all right, great. All right. And uh, make sure you solve all those unsolved mysteries. This is Mike signing off. This is Maggie signing off. Have a good one. Till next time. And I guess we'll never know. <laughs> Why it's unsolved.
your ear. Podcast Network.